Welcome to Season 2 of Resting Glitchface, a Shadowrun actual play. This is Shannon. I'm playing Eris. Hi, this is Sid, and I'm playing Jet. This is Dot. I'm playing Binary. This is Maddie. I'm playing Collateral. And my name is Eric, the Game Master. following content is not suitable for all audiences. So you arrive, and as you're pulling up the drive, you see that the main garage doors open up, and you're able to drive in. You see that there is a fucking nice Lexus sitting there with Kansas plates. You pull in, and as you get out, a screen pops up, and you see this, like, middle-aged man. And he says, yeah, just come in through that door and just follow that hallway, and... uh, We'll take them to the prepared area. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Do you need help? Are there stairs leading up to the... No, you're fine. It's all on the it's all on the ground floor. No, no, no. I mean, like, stairs leading up into the house. Oh. Because um, we'd need a... We're not... I mean, yeah. we, we can... No. No. Okay. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. All right. So you just follow the prescribed... Very doctor saying because we've got a thing now. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jet captures yet another heart. <laughs> All right, so you follow the prescribed area that you're going to, and you can see that you walk into a centralized room that it almost looks like a extra dining room or something, but it's been completely cleared out, and there's a surgical bed in there, and then there that you can see that they have just put in like lights and all kinds of other things, and there is a group of people in there in surgical scrubs and whatnot, and they're getting gear. And as you walk up, one of them walks up to help you and helps you lay her on the table, and they begin taking her clothes off and everything like that, and. One guy is standing there. He's completely, like, gowned up. Uh, All you can really see is his eyes, and he kind of points off through another door. He says, you can all just wait in there. What about the kid? We'll examine him later, but she seems to be the one. Yeah, I mean, she's imminent. Okay. Thank you. And a lady is standing there as, like, next to the door and looks like she's preparing, like, a kit, you know, like a tray and stuff. She looks at you and says, Mr. Falstaff will meet you in there. And as you walk through, you, you know. it's dark, and you can see, like, a hallway, and there's a door with a light beyond. You walk through it, and now you're in a sitting room. And, you know, there's, like, it's it's kind of like a uh, an old-school library, like a rich person's library room. Mm-hmm. So there's actual books in here, leather-bound mm-hmm. books and stuff, big padded chairs. And you see, like, crystal decanters of different liquids and there's even like a cabinet with glass and you can see there's a temperature gauge on it or something. And you can just see these stacks of cigars 
Nice. I'd like to roll a composure really quick. Okay. Let's see how we do. Three. Three? Yeah. Okay. That's good enough. Yeah, so as you walk in and you see this middle-aged man, the same man that was his face was on the screen, turns and sees you walk in and he's like pouring himself a drink and he says, uh, does anybody else want a brandy? Me. Oh, I'll, my God, me. I'll do make a brandy. It a, make I, it a double. I'm fine. Double, okay. He's like holding the glasses. <laughs> Hands you your glasses, hands you a glass of water. Cheers. And uh, holds it up, says, uh, good to finally meet you. Val tips the glass and takes the whole damn thing like a shot. <laughs> All right. And uh, Falstaff kind of looks at you do that and says, hard day? You could say that. Oh, well, have a seat, please. I assure you, your friend will be right as rain as soon as possible. Val walks over to, he, there was like a bar cart or something like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That hit. She goes and pours herself another drink and leans up against the, like, her, Jesus. her, her traditional, like, leaning up against a wall, but, like the bookshelves. Wow. I pulled a shift. Well Making done. yourself you. at home, I see. We appreciate your assistance in this, especially oh, sure. on such Absolutely. short notice. Oh, any friend of Jet. BFFs, I see. We've met. We've worked together. Are really? You? Yeah. Well, well. Oh, well, I mean, I don't... Is that a problem? Nah. Certainly no. No, I mean, we're we're chums. I've heard a lot about you. You what? About us? Sure. Not from me. Okay. Who's been divulging? <laughs> he smiles and he says, and then you don't have to... Please don't don't take this as a intimidation or anything like that. I don't intend for any of that. I I, I sincerely want to have a... Good relationship with you. I don't, um, something that Jet can attest to is uh, I'm a straight shooter. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't lie. I will always tell you the truth. And he pays on time. And yes, um, I, I feel that professionalism is important. And so to, to earn trust, you must show trust. And one of the ways that you show trust is in you pay when you are, when you owe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the way I, that is one of my philosophies. So, to answer your question, Liliana Masters mm. is uh, also in my employ and has been uh, updating me on many things that has happened in your career, let's say. Neat. Val takes another swig of the brandy and looks at Falstaff and says, what's your business with Liliana? Um, she's a hired informant, basically. Her mother uh, approached me several, well... Several months ago, looking for uh, assistance in a matter um, that I um, unfortunately am not in a position to expound on. Um, and in doing so, she offered her daughters as uh, employees. Both of them. Do you know where Cammy is? I do. Uh, unfortunately, again, I am duty bound not to divulge that information. That's fine. Can you pass on a message? Absolutely. Tell that piece of shit she's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Val pours herself yet another drink. My God, we're still on a job. Oh my girl. God. Yeah, Judge just like, we are on a job. Val has had a very hard day. I don't know about you, but day. the shit's hit the fucking fan for her. All right, well, I'm um, holding your hair when you puke. Val takes another sip of the newly poured glass and rolls her eyes at Falstaff and is like, so you'll tell the truth, but about nothing? You gave us nothing. He didn't give us nothing. We know that Cammy's alive and employed, which is something. 
Well, there's a, there's a difference between lying and omitting the truth is still lying. I did not omit the truth. I just said that I was unable to answer due to an obligation. So I do know the answer. Unfortunately, I may not divulge it due to previous agreements. I'll roll her eyes. Semantics. And then just leans back up against the bookshelf. All right. He looks genuinely concerned. We've had a rough day. Uh, I understand. Binary especially. Oh, it's I, I don't take offense, please. And I, 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 I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm just tired of not having all the information up front and Liliana's part of that problem. Yes, she is deceitful. Very much so. That's part of. Uh, so it's it's. As an employer, I can see where that could be valuable, but in my experience, all it really does is makes things worse. Right. And forgive me for saying, but the fact that you employed her to gather information on us, apparently, is also disheartening. I see. Well, I understand. The, the, there's a breach of trust. Yeah. Well, allow me to make amends. She, like, holds her hands out like, please do. <laughs> Well, uh, I have arranged for your friend to get the best care from the uh, best neurosurgeon in the city. Wow. And he looks at Val and holds his hand out and he says, no charge. Hot damn. <laughs> yeah, Wait. Jet visibly just. <sighs> that is extremely generous. It's the least I could do. What's the most you could do? <laughs> he smiles. That's a good question. I don't even know the extent of that. And her son, too, of course, right? Absolutely. Cool. What was done to him is beyond cruel. And I, I, will, do, I will do what I can to uh, right that wrong 100%. Neat. How is, uh, how is Shift? She's doing fine. She's doing things, stuff. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm, not much of which I'm privy to, but... I understand she doesn't uh, – she didn't appreciate our last conversation. No, she's she's like a cat in that way. You get what she wants and not a thing more. Hmm. Okay. Can confirm. Can confirm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Joe, you feel Bodica's presence. Yeah, I'm going to perceive and, and chat with Bodica. So Falstaff is like talking mm -hmm. to – to the others as you're kind of like, you know, like standing there quiet and you just perceive. And Bodica is right next to you and she's staring at Falstaff. And just like very softly, she's like trying not to. She's trying to be pretty on the DL. Mm -hmm. She's going to. What's up, Bodica? Everything OK? She says, look. I look. What do I see with my special eyes? Special, your special <laughs> my brand. You, you, she says, look. And you turn and you look. And now you're looking over as Falstaff is talking to them. And the only way to describe it is you see an astral void. Okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's an absence of astral space. She's, and she's looking and she says, I've never seen that before. The fuck is that? He's masking his aura or he doesn't have one. So that either means he's very powerful or something's very wrong. Be careful with this one. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. And j just as you say that, Falstaff looks over at you. 
and whatever conversation was being had, mm-hmm. he said it's completely within the seam. It was like a seamless transition. But he looks over at you and he says, "I just expect that our relationship is just going to blossom." Oh, really? I just have that feeling. I think that uh, our introduction has been long overdue. We'll just have to see where the fates take us. Fates. An interesting choice of words. So, we have nothing but time as we're waiting for your friend's procedure. And I will be getting... um, They will be updating us periodically throughout it. But... um, Dr. Van Ives says that it's very likely going to be about an eight-hour procedure. Jesus. Hell yeah. That's a big chunk. Each? <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, I, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. Uh, he, I, we only spoke about her procedure based off of the information that the, your nurse friend uh, gave them. So uh, it could be more. It could be less, I suppose, once they get in there. But how long – what's the recovery time look like on this? I mean it is brain surgery. Um, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a physician. So, um, that would definitely be something that, uh, Dr. Van Ives could tell you. Yeah. Because we have to finish our conversation. I was having the most interesting discussion with her. Val just sends a quick check-in text to Boggs to see what they're doing. All right. He's like, working. Think we're going to do it. She just, in her AR, she's just like, Shaking her head, like, please, please, just let this one go smoothly. Also, Val, yeah. as you're talking to Falstaff, you realize that he has zero Matrix presence. I mean, he has no implants. He has no, he has no, he doesn't have a calm, nothing. Her inhibition is dampened. So, uh, what's, I mean, I've, I've known people to be kind of, Lacks on their matrix presence, but you you ain't got nothing at all. What what what's that about? Oh, um, just from a curiosity perspective. Sure, um, I've seen people who have you know they they become ensnared by too many trappings of technology, and I mean to put it bluntly, you can be very easily manipulated through your digital presence. So I uh, I don't necessarily trust it. I'm more of a throwback kind of person to put it on put put it bluntly. Not that I, you know, begrudge anybody their technological, you know, gadgets and things like that. I understand that it has a place. I mean I it's not like I live in, you know, it's like we're, you know, I've got gas lamps or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean but, you know, when it comes to the Matrix and things like that, it's just I don't pretend to understand it. So I don't miss it. You know, I, I, I like my my analog, you know, sources of information, emotions towards the books, things like that. Fair enough. Um, so I know I must seem terribly out of the loop to you, but uh, trust me, I'm. I, I, I just get my information the old-fashioned way. But having those around me that clearly understand these things, vital. Vital. And I understand that you are someone who is very special in that regard. Did Liliana tell you that? Yes, she did. So was she lying to me? No. 
I see. In the interest of fairness, you clearly know quite a bit about us, so what is there to know about you? I own the, well, I mean, my family has owned the Falstaff Brewing Company for generations. Um, we also have properties around the city and worldwide, really. Mm-hmm. But personally, I'm more of a, like I said, I, I'm more of a uh, old soul, you might say. So I, uh, I enjoy antiquities and history and things like that. That's my passion. Mm. Anything in particular? Any what particular? Like antiquities? Yeah. Oh. Lately, my uh, obsession has been with uh, the Mississippian culture. Are you familiar? I mean, I visited the Cahokia Mounds several times throughout my youth. Oh, sure. Oh, with school and things? You could say that. Uh Uh-huh. School school field trips. Not necessarily the fondest of memories for me, but... Oh, were you more of a zoo person? Fuck! <laughs> Joe, thinks, Joe, Joe thinks back to the baby giraffe and just, just frowns a little bit. <laughs> or white whale. I mean, what 10-year-old kid doesn't want to go to the zoo? Yeah, as opposed to climbing a grass hill. Right? Exactly. I understand. It doesn't have that pizzazz, you know, <laughs> that the uh, the zoo or the the city museum has. But uh, yeah, I, I find the uh, the mounds to be quite uh, educational. Mm-hmm. Is there? I mean, I'm under the impression with your affinity for the antique that you might have some expansive historical knowledge. I'm I'm not as familiar with the religious practices of you know like historically in the area but um i was i've always been kind of more interested in egyptian culture has there been any kind of crossover there interesting why um egyptian yeah hmm may i ask why you uh why you took it there well i mean i uh, a friend of mine um, had been looking into some uh, just, you know, hobbyist type research. And um, the the name Usir was brought up. And to my understanding, that translates to Osiris. So I just didn't know if there was any crossover between that and the more local um History. I understand. Well, let's, uh, seeing as though we do have a lot of time, and if you're all interested in um, history of the area, yeah, we can definitely talk about that. Um, Did you know that around, oh, maybe the turn of the the 19th to 20th century, uh, there were... A lot of settlers in southern the southern part of Illinois that uh, were very interested in uh, Egyptian culture to the point where they they even named some of their settlements uh, after uh, Egyptian cities. That's like where I'm from, Memphis. Memphis, Cairo, uh, all of these areas. Um, 
But what's not known is that some of these original founders of these areas were part of a, how to put it delicately, um, religious affiliations, maybe. Uh, not necessarily, not always religious, but certainly esoteric. Like a cult? That would be putting it bluntly, yes. Um, but yes, uh, some, some very similar beliefs and established some of their uh, uh, practices locally. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, the name Usir is, uh, yeah, you are correct. Your interpretation of the, of the name is, that's an old name uh, used for Osiris. Osiris is used for, in different areas of Egypt, whereas Usir was, I think, used more towards the north, northern Nile. But I, my recollection of this is a bit fuzzy. I do recall reading a book about it, and he stops for a moment, and he says, hmm, bear with me one second. He starts looking at his library, you know, like books on his shelf. So he turns and he says, Egyptian uh, is your fascination or just the name? Um, I mean, that's just the closest relevance that I could understand, but um, I'm intrigued to know more or alternatives well the uh, the thing you need to know especially when it comes to ancient cultures is that uh, there was a lot of crossover and and whatnot so um names of gods would change or they would uh, merge with other you know beliefs and things like that so a, a god of the dead you know, returning from the dead and, and, or the God of longevity or, or immortality, um, would go by different names in different cultures. So mm-hmm. Usir would definitely fall into that, into that category. Mm-hmm. So, and was there a, I guess, counterpart to that in what was the culture of this area at the, at oh, the, the Mississippians? Yes. Um, that's, to be debated, many uh, many scholars have debated that. Um, there are scholars who believe that the Mississippians, once they once Cahokia was disbanded and uh, the the society moved on, um, that they you know it's widely believed that they became these other uh, nations. But um, when they were in Cahokia specifically, uh, there are beliefs that they were contacted by other civilizations and and whatnot. Uh, One of the more rare or singular beliefs that is uh, widely contested is that they were actually contacted, uh, came in contact with uh, missionaries from China. Hmm. Okay. And if you look into a lot of the legends, uh, specifically from this area, one of the... um, one of the better ones, one of the one of the lasting ones, is that of the Piasaw bird. And if you look at the, uh, the some of the old uh, histories and descriptions of what the original uh, explorers recorded, uh, the description of the Piasaw bird as was portrayed on the side of the bluff doesn't match what it is believed to be like today, which would be a feathered serpent, but more of an eastern dragon. Yeah. And personally, I believe that the ancient Mississippians were in contact with the ancient Chinese, as there are documented records of uh, of Chinese explorers, and one of them 
it was recorded, made it as far as the United States. Uh, well, before it was known as that, of course. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's what, a particular passion of mine. But when to answer your question, is there a counterpart or uh, for Usir or a god of, of immortality? Yes, uh, although the name escapes me. I, and he looks over at the other two and you're like – and he's like, I'm sorry. I, 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 I get – caught up in, in, in this and I understand that what I'm speaking uh, what I'm speaking of is probably extremely boring to you um, so w- would you care to discuss anything else I mean I was gonna stand up and walk around a little bit within oh, the room just yes I got F- the, feel free I got the wiggles you know feel free feel free she just stands up and starts kind of like yeah. I've just been sitting in quiet contemplation which has been lovely actually Mm-hmm. It's been a busy day. Nothing like a glass of brandy and a comfy couch. All right. He says, I understand. I understand. And I appreciate uh, your accepting of my hospitality. It's not always easy to entertain. And I can be a little off-putting sometimes. And I apologize for that. I am also off-putting, so... Val just, like, opens her arms and looks down at herself like, have you seen me? So, um, you are welcome to stay in, stay here. Uh, the only part I ask not for you not to go into would be the actual surgical suite that we've uh, set up because it's considered sterile now. Uh, but you are welcome to roam about the house if you wish. Um, no, nowhere's off limits. So... Our, there's several. I mean, we can sit and, and talk, or you can roam about if you wish. You are not uh, restricted. You're not a prisoner here, so you're here at my pleasure. Is there a ballroom in here? Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there is the large dining hall, uh, which in the past has been used as a ballroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, would uh, We can have it cleared if you no, wish. No, 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 no. I would never. I'm are just curious. Wanting to dance? No. Oh. Okay. I just, Aww. I don't like, I don't like sitting for too long. Let me put it to you this way. It would bring me intense joy to watch you dance. On a but, pole. No. <laughs> no, I'm just no, no, no. I'm just teasing. I'm sorry. I've heard like, so much about your ability. I'm assuming that since we last met, you've done a little bit of looking into. <laughs> I know. My well. Slip with the Bolshoi. Yes. Is that what did it? Yes. How about this? You treat us to dance, and I will share with you some information that I have found out. Yeah, sure. Very well. I'll do that. And what about you? What do I plan on doing? I mean, we could set up a fight if you want. I'd fight you. I'm trying to get out of the fighting biz. I understand. Your last one went um, a little off the rails. A little bit. Still won. True. True. And that's all that really matters. When it comes to... Uh, Human supremacists, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. An interesting... I've always found their rhetoric so chafing. And I mean, you know, and I'm a human. It just... It's, it's so sad to me, the, the level of short-sightedness people have. Mm. Well, there's no shortage of short-sighted people in St. Louis. That is true. That is true. Especially now. Now more than ever. I mean, Collateral's just she's trying to play it super 
Cool, but she is definitely observing this bitch. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Jet, you do uh, you do a dance? I do. Okay. You see him. He just like goes to the door, opens it up, and he says to someone, "Clear the uh, clear the main dining room, uh, large enough for a uh, for a dance recital." And closes the door, and he says, yeah, give them a few moments. So about 30 minutes later, you continue to look around, and he's pointing out some books to Val. You, know, you, might, want to, you might be interested in this. This has some interesting information about local legends and things like that. And then you hear a knock, and he says, oh, it's ready to go. So you walk into this main ballroom area, and you see that the furniture has been cleared out. It's like you know hardwood, polished floor, and just you and then you hear whatever music you choose kick in and you are free to dance hang on i'm gonna do this in shifts because this is 20 dice the one time that i get to almost equal you okay while jet's doing her dance val's actually gonna stay in that library okay and she's gonna try and hack into the cameras at the Chesterfield City Hall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm going to go ahead and use four edge. All right. To reroll all of my failures. Okay. Because Ew, I want to yeah. do good at this. All right. I'm already doing great, but I want to do better. Impress. Yeah. I want to dance my fucking heart out. Yep. Yep. Okay. There we go. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve. Twelve successes. Hell yeah. I danced my fucking heart out. Right. And then so then when you finally, you know, end and, you know, in your final position and you look back at them. You know, so Val's not there. Falstaff is there. Is Joe there? Uh, shouldn't have to be. Nah. Nah, okay. Joe's not going to be there. It's fine. Joe's going to be snooping around and astrally perceiving for anything that looks magic. All right. So you you do your dance, you turn, and Falstaff is standing there, tears on his cheeks. Hell Still yeah. fucking got it, lads. All right, and when you finish, he looks at you, and you see him. He takes his, his handkerchief out, and he kind of dabs his, dabs his cheeks, and he looks at you, and he says, I think she's going to help you. I hope so. Because you are an absolute treasure, and the thought that the world has been denied this is it's a crime. And I will fix this. The information that I promised you, it doesn't seem like it's enough. You are getting the short end of this deal, in my opinion. The unrest in North City is the Vori. I have uh, learned that the North City kings are on their payroll. Well, which Vori? Cuban or Russian? Russian. I knew that I had heard that the Cuban Vori was in town, but I did not know how much of a presence they had. They're... Led by a guy who goes by the name Ruko. Do I know this man? I have uh, knowledge for he. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ruko is short for Ruko Videl, which is Russian, a very bad Russian for the term lead head. He is a troll and he is a absolute just, he's an animal. He <laughs> is a murderer, killer. I mean, every bad thing you could possibly be, he's it. And he works for, he's like a enforcer for like the big wigs of the Russian Vori. Where all is he out of? Like normally? Yeah, like normally. Normally he bases himself out of Moscow. Oh shit. But he's, his bosses have moved him here 
with the express intent on taking over the northern part of the containment zone. As I recall, was the school and like the place where we found Vanessa, was that on the northern part of the containment zone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Okay. Well, that's quite a tidbit. Well, there's more. Oh, shit. More than that, Ruko is here. His bosses sent him here, but they didn't send him here to just take over the Orichalkite of the Northern Containment Zone. Mm -hmm. He was also brought here at the behest of someone. Do you know who? Yes, I do. And her name is Peabody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Resting Glitchface. Theme music by Synthesque. Background music by Machinima Sound. Outro music by Austin Miller. Edited and produced by Sid. Continuity Consulting by Dot. Shadowrun is property of Catalyst Game Labs. Resting Glitchface is a production of Openly Gamer Theater and property of Side Tangent Productions.